Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to this Monday night episode 152 of the Endless Celts podcast. Uh, my name's Anthony, uh, one of the show's regular contributors that we hosting tonight, and delighted to be alongside uh, one of our other fellow regulars, uh, Mr. William Dobbin. How are you tonight, mate? I'm doing well, mate. I'm doing well. I'm uh, was running in for, just got in for work. I thought I wasn't going to make it for a second, but I all good. Looking forward to talking about the weekend's game. <laughs> Top man, top man. And uh, another, uh, always great to have Mr. Bostalgia from the Boise bus uh, on with us as well. Mr. Phil McGinley's with us tonight. How are you, mate? I'm all good, Anthony. Thanks for having me on, guys. Cause I'm always happy to come on and talk about Celtic. So, yeah, it's, it's more off my back the days. You know, I'm always happy to go anywhere. If you say, well, Phil, I come talk about Celtic somewhere. Aye, I'll come and talk about Celtic. No problem at all. So, aye, uh, massive thank you. And it's always good on the back of uh, on the back of a massive uh, win as well, which uh, which is all good. But um, as I say, before we go into all the all the all the stuff about the match, I have to disclaimer that I was uh, I didn't see I've only seen the extended highlights of the game this morning because I was away at Disneyland with the family over the weekend. It was just uh, the land of make believe and fairy tales. I think at one point I was just surprised I never bumped into Dave King at one point. But uh, yeah, apart <laughs> from that, it was a cracking weekend. Uh, and also, it's good to, uh, when you're waiting on Buzz Lightyear to go by in his parade and you're knowing that you're 3-0 up at half-time, it's always always good. Just makes the holiday. And uh, i seen Jed Thomas uh, already giving us an evening, uh, evening to everyone that's uh, kind of tuning in so far. But Mr Thomas uh, bumped into a mutual friend of ours on the flight home last night, Mr Gary Corrigan. Uh, so he was telling you, he was asking for you and he can't wait to watch you when you're on here in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so yeah, evening to all the regulars, it's uh, always good to have you with us. And uh, Stephen's not sent me the Beer 52 script, but I'm sure we've uh, we've all done it. We've, we've kind of we know what the script is by now. Um, Beer 52 are our show sponsors. If you just go onto their, their website and use our, our code cells, you'll get a for, if you cover the postage and you'll get a free um, a, a box of beer, and it's got all sorts of goodies inside it as well. So can't knock back a baby, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, no. Uh, well, you can, you can knock back plenty, but just <laughs> oh, I certainly can. I absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, Phil, I'm going to come to you first, mate. Just sort of, as I say, it was a great return to winning ways after the, the disappointment of the our match against Leipzig on last Tuesday. What were your thoughts on the on the game in general on on Saturday as uh, we got back to our regular winning ways? I was uh, a welcomed return to forum because um, yeah, we've obviously been a bit. A bit stagnant, I guess would be the word, but we're still winning games. We're still grinding it out. But, you know, we've, we've started the season. It was become Angie's trademark as we usually steamroll our teams quite early. We seem to have staggered that. But, yeah, there was early on in that game there. You could tell this was going to be a big one. Well, 3-0 after about half an hour. It was in the stadium. You just felt that sort of momentum's coming here. And, yeah, we just blew them away. Hibs were not up to much at all. I'm surprised they even got a goal out of it because, uh, yeah, they, they just created very, very little. But that was a, a, a great performance overall. Six goals, can't complain. Yeah, James Forrest as well. Bagging a hat-trick, coming in out the cold. few people may have raised their eyebrow looking at the team sheet. I'll, I'll put my hand up and say, me, I was like... Oh, James Forrest, oh, that's a bit okay, but not. He was in the right place at the right time, you know, he put them away. So, yeah, fair play to the wee man. Um, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed Saturday. It was good to see them back to that type of winning way. And it sure was. And I think what makes it even more pleasing, uh, Wally, is the fact that Hibs have been on a pretty decent run of form 
themselves. Obviously, um, Lee Johnson's had them playing some great stuff. They've racked up a few consecutive victories. Obviously, we know uh, Ryan Porteous has been grabbing all the headlines for the right reasons um, as well. Um, there was obviously a, a, a few murmurings beforehand. Was this potentially a dress rehearsal before Celtic would put in a bid for him uh, in the summer or mm -hmm. in January? Whether that comes to fruition or not, I'm not sure. And I'm, I'm not convinced entirely uh, by any means that he would unsurp any of the, the regular centre-halves that we have at present. But um, it's always, you know, Hibs are definitely the good guys of Edinburgh compared to their, their, their nearest rivals. But it is always great to get a high-scoring victory, isn't it? Oh, uh, definitely, mate. I, I think we played fantastic stuff, as I believe we have been playing. It's, I mean, like, I, I thought it was similar to the Motherwell performance where we completely dominated. We just... We were just clinical this week, um, and that's the difference. I just, I know there's been a bit of, I don't know if negativity is the right word, but a bit of because of the Champions League goings on. But I, like, um, I, it was just nice to get back to that, um, the same free flowing football we have been playing, but being more clinical and putting the ball in the back of the net. And I, like you said, Hibs were they're on a decent run of form. And what I would say is Lee Johnson said before the game and about how he promises the, the Hibs fans that he's going to go and attack every team, it doesn't matter who it is, and they did not come out and attack us on Saturday. <laughs> uh, they did the exact opposite, actually. Um, so I was a bit surprised, but I... Uh, uh, Big Stephen, I'll be hoping that the Porteous rumours are true, but uh, I, not, not for me at the moment, but I, I, no, great performance. Uh, could have been even more goals for us, which is incredible um, with the fact that Hibs are what, the, the third best team in Scotland at the moment, as the table lies, so uh, great performance, and I, I thought it was... The best way to kind of shut up a few critics uh, that have been going on the last few weeks. So, I perfect. I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm going to just come, come right back to you because I know that you are a fully paid up, subscribed member, as I am I, am I of uh, the man that grabbed all the headlines on Saturday, um, Mr. James Forrest. 14 seasons in a row now, he's got on the score sheet for Celtic. He's been a tremendous servant for the club. He's obviously had his ups and downs. Throughout those 14 years, uh, nearly a decade and a half, but on Saturday, he created a. He, he became one of the members of the the legendary 100 club by grabbing. He started the day on 97. He ended it on 100. He just stole the show, didn't he? Oh, he, he was phenomenal. And I know a few of the guys, Ross especially, on the podcast recently has been um, clamouring for him to get a start. Uh, he's obviously filled in the pecking order, and I love the gaffer coming out and saying that. Um, because there, there was a bit of, when they got the deal, uh, there was a bit of clamour about it as well, and people were saying it's, it's a strange one because it's a three-year deal, I think it was, mm. and his age, and he, he's not offering as much, and people were kind of saying it was sort of the sympathy for or, or keeping the man ar around because of what he brings to the club and the experience he's got, but the boy still got it, and I've been, I, I, I'm a massive fan. I've been saying, I said even last year he was obviously had tough times with injuries, but he, he popped up with a few big, big goals. Uh, the cup semi final uh, was won against like last Nike. year, yeah. Last year, big one. Uh, I know he came on at Livy as well, away, which we were talking before we came on, is a bit of a nightmare ground for us. And, and he's got his goal there. I, I think he's a fantastic player. I, I'm not saying he, sh he should be playing week in, week out. I don't think he's he's uh, capable now, to be honest with you, with his injuries. And, but um, what a player to fall back on, and what a performance he's he's shown. He's he's got such a he's such an eye for a goal, as his record proves. 
And I don't think it's anything to be sniffed at, by the way. It's a, that's an unbelievable achievement for him to score 100 goals. And I don't think he's far away from 100 assists for the club as well. Yeah, I think he's he's 98 or 99. 99. If Alistair's watching, he'll have the exact number, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, but he could very well hit 100 assists if he, if he starts on Wednesday night as well. It's, it's absolutely incredible. If that's um, not legendary status at a club, I don't know what is. Uh, well, more of that to potentially come on agree to disagree later. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but just but just kind of to touch on what Wally was saying there, Phil, um, about his eye for goal. Um, the three goals that he scored um, on Saturday, the first one coming in for the left-hand side, he just, it, it was, although he's, yes, he's quite, you know, he's pretty much a six-yard box, mm. and it's a fantastic ball in. There's no there's no two ways about it from, from Haksabanovic, but it's the way he moves his body to get into that position, yeah. um, which makes it look, a lot easier than what it was when, when you're trying to take a, a, a touch like that um, for, put, to put the ball in the net like that first time. The second one, obviously, he tries the shot, doesn't quite come off. There's Alistair confirming for his 99. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Jack. And um, good evening to you as well. And um, the second one, obviously, there's a few rebounds and blocks and what have you, and he's yeah. still there, the anticipation, um, and he gets over the line, much to the dismay of the sports scene panel um, last night who were debating whether it crossed <laughs> the line or not. That's really for the for the neutrals out with Scotland that tune in to watch us. Yep, that is the level of intelligence that many of our uh, broadcasting team do have. And uh, his third goal, which cemented his, his 100. Obviously, there's it was there's no doubt it was an error from the the Hibs uh, midfield, but we picked up on that brilliantly. We, and Moy, fantastic pass, it has to be said, and we'll touch on his performance later on as well. But he just take first time top corner. It just shows you that variety that James Forrest uh, brings. And I think that's why Andrew was so desperate. Even though he's probably said to him before he signed the contract that, yeah, he's not going to feature every week. He's not going to play every game. But he wanted him around the dressing room and to deliver on, on days like Saturday when the pressure was on with the, the last few results not necessarily going our way. But he's, he, he came up and uh, came up trumps for us again. Oh, he did. I think that's... Basically, the idea of like a sort of role model professional within the team where the guy knows now he's at a stage where he isn't going to play every week and he seems like the type of boy that isn't going to demand to you know, walk into the manager dressing and go, I want to be playing every week. He kind of knows his role within the team. And if he can come in and contribute like that when he does get the nod, then fair play to the lads. I mean, his first goal, he's in the right place, right time. You now, we talk about how he's regressing in pace, but he didn't need to have blistering pace to just know the awareness to just be at that back post for the tap in the second goal well you see David Marshall he's just a bit of a clanger in Glasgow in recent years uh recent years with the Euros last year with the one at Hamden getting lobbed through the halfway line and then there was um bah, the third one the real thing was when he scored I want to say when he scored the second one the announcer the PA announcer said his 99th goal and genuinely at that point I think most people would have just thought that he just felt it's in the air, it's going to happen because he's like, oh, getting his 99th goal for the club. Just so then suddenly, like, it's coming, it's, it's going to be today. And there he was, that was a great ball over the top. And once he was through, it was like, nah, there's no, no stopping. Because one of the things that James Forrest gets accused of by many fans is mm-hmm. sometimes he can hide in a game when something's not going his way, kind of, you know, vanishes. But obviously, with the two goals, he's flying high, he's getting in all the right places. He made himself available for that pass, he made sure he made that run. So the Moy could pick him out, and yeah, there was you knew when he was in one on one, he's no missing this. He's no, it's destined. It's meant to be written in the stars. Goal number one hundred, and I fantastic moment for the lads. So fair play to him. Couldn't agree more. And I'll just sort of 
leave it to yourself to finish up, Bobby. I think as, as, as Phil was saying there, he's, he's a great role model to have around the dressing room. I think that's kind of what Ange was touching on after the game when he was paying tribute to him. But, you know, we've seen some of the clips of the, the season review DVD that just came out last week. I don't know if anyone in the, the comments has managed to get their hands on a copy yet, but obviously some of the, the footage is leaked online and it's the perfect footage. It is. I, I think it's sort of coming up with two or three games to go to the end of the season and it's Callum McGregor just reminding them all, we always set the standards and, you know, we're so close now, don't let anything drop. I, I get the feeling that perhaps James will elude some of those um, standards himself. He might not say it in the most, you, you know, you, I, I, you know, don't know the man too well personally, but I, I can imagine James a not being the loudest in the dressing room, but he's more of that kind of leading by example sort of player. And, if, and I just think that's, kind of invaluable to have around, uh, especially with such a young squad that we have at the moment. I agreed. Um, it's an interesting one because I know there's been a bit of clamour again about CCB and the, he's a captain, but in the huddle, he's not the one giving the instructions. I wonder if Lee Jamesy would be one of these boys that steps up and does that. I would imagine so. Um, uh, just to touch on his goals, he, the two years are bang on. He's, I mean, the first goal's back post, the second goal, he's, he's on the penalty spot. He's never... I think that's one thing for me with Abada, maybe, that he's, he, he's consistently hitting that back post rather than try to change it up a bit. And Forrest was excellent. And then the third goal was just a, a wonderful finish. Um, aye, he's, I think he's massive uh, to the club this year. I think we kind of talked about it when, um, with the whole situation, how would that and, and how uh, Bruni left and how we thought he could have still had a ma- massive influence at the club. Uh, he could still play, but uh, he's he's his experience and his leadership qualities. Uh, looking back now, I, I think it's probably the best thing that could have happened for Cal Mac Bruni going at the time he did, rather than staying on. Uh, and I think Forrest is, aye, he's, he's another one that, that his voice will be heard in the dressing room. Uh, but you're right, more than anything, he shows it in the park and he's an ultimate professional. The likes of him and Cal Mac, for me, you, didn't, you never see them on social media, you never see stories of him in the paper. Mm-hmm drinking or whatever, they've not even got, they've not got Instagrams or their full focus is on the football and James Forrest has dedicated his life to that and it's it's shown because um, what he's done at the club is nothing short of remarkable and he deserves every every inch of praise that he's been getting uh, since the weekend, before and after. Uh, he's just a wonderful, wonderful player and I've, I, I've been a critic of his as well. He was a whipping boy at times um Kind of before Rogers came in, he was the one that kind of everybody got on the back, kind of the Greg Taylor back then. <laughs> um, but he's 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 proven his worth uh, tenfold, and he's been magnificent ever since he, he, he first came into the, the team. I'm just I'm I'm so so pleased he's got in, and I'm so pleased that he's got to the hundred because I think if he didn't, it would have been a, a real real shame. Mm. And uh, he's not finished yet; still got years left in him, uh, and he still looks fit as a fiddle. He, I think he looks stronger now. I don't know if it's because he's been out. He's maybe worked a bit more in the gym, but I, I just think he's been magnificent and I'm I just so pleased he got his hat-trick. I, I totally agree. I think he's going to be a real kind of asset to have um, as this season goes on because we're in for a long... Obviously, we're stopping for the, the World Cup, but after December, it's pretty relentless between now and the, the springtime. So we're going to need everyone um, available to us. And um, yeah, he's always somebody good to have um, either on the pitch or in reserve. Uh, ready to come on anytime. Uh, evening, Kaiser, and evening, uh, everyone, for coming along. Thanks for all your comments in the box. Willie's on the uh, on the comment section tonight, and he's bringing everything up. And uh, just obviously, I've seen a few people uh, mentioning Frank McGarvey. We're obviously going to 
do a special tribute to him just as um, near the end of the show. But um, don't don't worry, folks. It's definitely um, on the cards. And good evening to our friends over at the Boise Bus. Sorry, we've uh, but Phil's took a wee quick detour on air stop. Uh, Russell, mate, the short term loan deal, mate. Uh, we'll, have him, uh, we'll have him back with you guys uh, for your show starting at nine o'clock. Don't you worry about that. Um, but yeah, evening to all the guys on the bus. And uh, yep, don't forget to tune in today, guys, uh, once the show is finished as well. Um, but um, Saturday, it wasn't just uh, James Forrest that was on, that was on fire. Uh, Phil, we also had um, man who's perhaps there's been a few sort of. There's been a lot of sort of clamour for him to start more games than he perhaps already has this season, um, and that's Georges Yakimakis. Mm. Um, anytime he's come off the bench so far this season, more or less, he's, he's delivered every time. Um, this was a rare start for him on Saturday, and uh, yeah, we sure are, uh, Boise. <laughs> <laughs> he's one for the watching. And uh, but Yakimakis started on Saturday, and uh, as I say, I, I know Liverpool fans have adopted that Dua Lipa song, uh, One Kiss, is all it takes. I think it's uh, one touch is all he needs for this guy because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's um, another two two goals in the in, on the bag for him. Again, he took them absolutely brilliantly. Um, he just seems to be someone that he, he just needs one touch and that's it. Balls in the back of the net. He's I think he's a fantastic player and uh, I can I can understand why some of the fans have perhaps been a bit frustrated that I'm not getting more starts. That's not to say I'm saying Kyogo should be dropped or anything like that, but. Mm. I just think he's so good, and we've seen that at um, the, the second half of last season when it was our only option up front when Kyogo was injured. He really stepped up to the plate, and that forum just seems to be continuing into this season. I absolutely love the guy. Like honestly, he might easily be my favourite player right now in this current mm-hmm. Celtic squad because we keep saying he's chaos, Jackamacus. He does bring chaos to opposition mm-hmm. defenders. Like they don't know how to deal with him. His goal record speaks for itself right now, and I'm really happy that he's getting a few games now because uh, I think with Kyogo being a bit out of form, if you want, if that's the way you say it, I think it's good if Jack Max comes and gets some goals because then Kyogo f- thinks, okay, maybe my place isn't safe here. And when he comes back into the team, you know he'll start putting some of those chances away. So it's a good thing if you've got both of them firing on all cylinders. Of course, we do get the. Uh, the, the dilemma about can you play the two of them in the same team? Can you put Kyogo mm-hmm. out wide and Jack and Marcus out? Because Jack and Marcus can only play in one position in the, the forward mm-hmm. line. The other yeah. forwards we've got are all very fluid in the way they can rotate around. But Jack and Marcus is basically an old school centre forward, big bully guy up front, largest defenders out the way. But uh, that's the thing. People might look at him and think of oh, a big physical guy. That's all he is. Some big clogger up front. No. He's got a lot of finesse, a lot of skill. And yeah, some of the finishes that he pulls off are absolute top-notch. His overhead kicks and stuff like that. The guy just goes for like anything. It doesn't matter what angle it's coming in at. He'll just go for it. Uh, but no, I absolutely love the guy. And I'm glad that he, again, weighed him with some goals. There was a wee heart and mouthful where the two of them were on the park at the same time. And only 30 seconds after Kyogo comes on, uh, Jack Amakis went for that 50-50 ball with the Hibs defender. Gets up and he's holding the back of his thigh. And I was like, there you go. They've only been in the park together for 30 seconds already. He's injured. And then 30 seconds after that, he scored the second goal. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but I think he might have aggravated that a little bit in his knees. Like, hopefully it's not, uh, not anything too serious. But yeah, there, did, there was that sinking feeling where this can only happen to Celtic. This is such a Celtic thing to happen. We finally get a chance to see the two of them play together. And he's got a knock seconds in. So hopefully nothing too serious there. But I'm, I'm delighted for him, and uh, yeah, he definitely uh, came rolling back there with the two goals at the weekend, man. I mean, that, that's the thing, Wally. I mean, obviously, he's not started as often as um, a lot of supporters perhaps would have liked, and 
you know, whether he, and, and it was perhaps the same last season as well. Um, obviously, he got off to the shaky start. You know, you, you think of the, the missed penalty, um, etc. And there was a few fans saying, well, is this, is he perhaps going to cut it at Celtic? But we've seen once he got a run of games just how, how talented he was. And, um, you know, I look back to when, obviously, it was obviously heart and mouth after a minute against Rangers when Kyogo had to come off. And But it was a strange feeling. The minute Yakimakis came on, he just looked up for it. And you thought, this guy, he's, he's going to run this Rangers defence ragged that day. And he duly did. And uh, he seemed to do pretty much the same again on Saturday against Hibs. He did, mate. I think there's a lot of... A lot of chat in the comments uh, screaming for Gigi to be the first name in the, in the team sheet at the moment, and I have to say I agree. I've always, I've always said in, in the, on the pod in the past, and got a bit of stick for it actually to say that I, I actually personally don't think Kyogo's the best finisher. I think sometimes mm-hmm. he takes three or four chances before he puts it away. Where I think Gigi's the polar opposite, and in a team where we're talking about how many chances we're creating at the moment and we're not clinical enough, for me he's got to start, and I can understand. Angie's uh, Kyogo was his number one man uh, from the start of the season and, and still is, it looks like. But every time Gigi comes in and gets half an hour, he's still nicking his goal. And I just think he's proved more in me in this first quarter, third of the season, whatever, however far we're through. I think he's proved to me that he, he should be our, our number nine. He should be the, the, the starting. He should pick up that starting shot for me. Um. Uh, I just think he's an absolute menace, like you said. Uh, he, and he scores. He just, he's just always. We talked about Forrest. Gigi Similar just always seems to be in the right place at the right time, and uh, such a good reactive finisher. Uh, I just think. I think maybe if we we started him in the, in, in these Champions League games, we maybe had a chance, uh, a better chance. I just, I, I feel like the way we play, especially in the Champions League this year, the last twenty minutes, we've been absolutely dead in our feet. Uh, and I think we need to get an early goal in games. Other and, and the longer it goes on without the goal, we we tend to kind of start to suffer a bit more. Um, and I just think Gigi's just a far better finisher in my in my opinion. And uh, at the moment, I, I'm in agreement with most. I think Gigi's Gigi's the one that that, sh- that should have that shot. Yeah, but it's it's definitely more than a fair argument, as I say. Any time he's um, he's asked to. <laughs> there we go, Monty. Always sitting on the fence as ever. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that's the thing with him. Anytime he's asked to, he, he, whether it be from the bench or when he's starting, I can't really remember a, a time when, certainly recently, where Yakimakis hasn't delivered. And it's um, it's incredible. And he always, he just always looks dead happy uh, playing right. for the, the club as well. He, you know, you never see him sort of, you know, moaning to journalists or anything like that if he's not starting or whatever. When he's asked to um, come on, he does what's asked of him, and that's all you can really you can really ask for. And as I say, you know, as a guy, GG starts, GG scores. Simple. As I say, one mm-hmm. touch is all he needs. I know the um, ninety-nine red balloon seems to be his song uh, when he scores Aye. a parkhead at the moment. Um, I just think Leapers is a better shout. Maybe I'm just kind of that's just wishful thinking on my part. <laughs> we can get her into do the paradise windfall. You never know. But <laughs> such is life, you know. I'm just back for the land of where dreams come true. So you know. We can all only hope. And, uh, but there was obviously James Forrest with three, George Shakamakis with two on Saturday, boys. But, Willie, of course, well, there was one other my on the score sheet. Um, he only got one goal, however. Uh, that's Sir Dyson Maida, who's come in for a lot of flack as of late. So I'm leaving it up to you. If he's only scoring one goal, 
what do we think the correct punishment is? Do we do we drop him? Do we loan him out? Do we make him train with the reserves? Do we, you know, sacrifice him to the human wicker man? I, I, I don't know. What would what would keep the sweetie rustlers happy? Do you think? I think other than other than Forrest scoring, if you wanted one man to score on Saturday, it was it was Dyson, and I think I, I don't know. I, 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 is was, was, was it an injury he went off for at half time? Because I'm not so sure. For me, I think we were that far ahead, and he's thinking we, this is there's goals in this game. We need to get Dyson on and get him his goal. Um, I'm a big fan. I mean, I know he's been getting a lot of stick recently, and I understand because of the stats and um and. and his assists and his goals, his goal tally, etc. But um, I, I think he offers so much more. But I can understand because we've, we've got an abundance of talent in these wide areas. Um, and I know Haksabanovic has been playing 10 before the weekend, but for me, um, Haksabanovic is a winger and I thought he showed that on, on, I thought he was absolutely electric on Saturday, uh, that first half. I thought he was unbelievable on, on the wing. You see when he brought that CCV's like 50 yard pass down and beating boys and the crosses he's making and um I, I'd be starting him in the wings. So I like I understand the the the, the stick my has been getting to an extent. But mm-hmm. I, I think he's a I think he's a wonderful footballer. I think the gaffer again, as usual the gaffer gets it right and he was getting I think his interview after the Champions League was they were they were screaming for him to drop him and the rest of it and he, and, the, and I think his reply was so because he's not the because he's not the finished article I've just to stop playing him. No. We're here with this progression and all the rest of it. So um so glad to see him get his goal. Um please he's back in amongst it and, and hopefully he can start hitting the ground running for here. I, I, I very much agree. So we we agree that perhaps he's not been at his you know, you know, we, we know how fast he is for for one thing, Phil. Um mm-hmm. and a lot of the, the criticism that he comes is that he doesn't take his chances, and of course you, you think of that. That glorious one at nil nil against Madrid, you know, if that falls to a Yakimakis, for yeah. example, you you know you're already one nil up against the European champions. But mm. no no one can I don't think criticize him for, for work rate or or effort. Mm. I just think it seems to be the case that every, every player has a has a, a bit of a drop in form sometimes. Mm. And I think obviously it seems to have coincided with perhaps the results. Perhaps yeah. not going, or the or the performances not being as as sort of fluid as what they were at the start of the season, and I think when that happens, and especially in losing to St Mirren in the manner that we did, there's there's always you know you got to, fans will naturally look for someone to perhaps you know shoulder more of the blame than others, yeah. shall we say? And you know Greg Taylor seems to be getting has been getting it a lot, possibly last season. I think the comments made by Jota, etc., have kind of at the start of the seasons have sort of sheltered him a little bit from that kind of criticism. But it seems to have moved on uh, to Maeda so far. What's your kind of thoughts on him? Kind of overall this season and um, I'm coming on and scoring on Saturday. Uh well, I'm delighted for we get a goal. Same as what William said, you know, I think if everybody could pick somebody what is he score, you know, the guy has been short of confidence. He doesn't hide. That's one thing, you know, he's clearly not had it been going his way for many games now, but you don't see him like, you know, running, hiding for the ball or anything. He's always getting himself back into position, but I think it's just a lack of composure at times in front of a goal. And he's not the only one. I think Kyogo at mm-hmm. times can miss chances. We've seen a bad job. You know, it seems like our forwards at times have bad moments in front of a goal, but Maida seems to get singled out more than most. I said this uh, yesterday. I was talking to Regan and Mark on the show in the at the game on uh, just before he scored. 
Uh, I swear to God, the whole bottom end of the Jockstein stand all shouted, leave it at the exact same time that Kyogo and Maida ran for the same ball. It's almost <laughs> like they were going to run into each other. And with the way Maida's luck's been at the moment, you just thought they will run into each other here, you know, end up tackling his own teammate. Uh, but no, it just seems like as the ball was coming to Kyogo, it was just like, everyone shouted, leave it! <laughs> and he did leave, just dubbed it. And uh, yeah, but I noticed Maida, even in scoring, he fell over. Uh, he is the, the scorer of uh, rubbish goals, essentially. They all count at the end of the day, but he never scores a, an amazing goal. It's always a bit sloppy, a wee bit uh, unorthodox, to say the least. But no, he put it away, and I think everyone's happy. At the end of the day, we all want to see anyone in a Celtic shot succeed. Anyone that you know points at any fan media and goes, oh, you know, you've got an agenda against this guy. No, we all want to see the club succeed and these players succeed. You know, we want to be proven wrong. So it's good to see. Hopefully Maida can kick on from this and that gives him a wee bit of confidence back because Ange clearly believes in the guy. Even though many, many fans are kind of like, I don't know if he should be starting. But, you know, Ange definitely, he made him a priority signing. Remember, he was a guy that he wanted before Kyogo. And we've seen it this season. That was the fifth time, I think, that he's brought him on, bang on half time. But he's been mm. on the bench, he's brought him on. I think Haxbanovich did have a slight knock, and it was a precautionary move. But the other times it's been a tactical thing, bringing him on dead on half time. So Ange wants to make sure he's always getting game time of some sort, even if he doesn't start a game. But um, yeah, d- delighted to see him get a goal anyway, because uh, hopefully it just gets him to kick on a wee bit and get some confidence back in him. Because when he came in for the second half of last season, he did contribute, I think, like nine goals or something and yeah. multiple assists. So yeah, he's, he's got it in him. There's something there. I always just think that that early goal we scored against Hibs, funnily enough, that first game back after the That's winter right. break when uh, both him and Hatati started that game and then obviously um, Idiguchi came on and uh, later on in the second half. I just felt that set the tone for the, re- the the second half of last season. I just felt it was like we were we came back from January. We were, I think it was six behind or four behind at that point. And it was just a case of we are, we are going for this. And, you know, three weeks later, we were top of the league and we never relented that spot, uh, that full that for the rest of the campaign. So, as I say, delighted that he got on the score sheet. And hopefully this is, um, he, can, he can get back to the forum that we know he's capable of. And uh, as I say, obviously, as, as supporters, we're always going to, especially at a club like Celtic, when you, more often than not, you are winning. When, on the days you slip up, there will be players that tend to, you know, pick up more criticism than most. But... As I say, when you have days like Saturday, yeah, it's always good to spread the praise uh, as well. And talking of that, um, Willie, I think what was what was great about um, Saturday as well was the fact that a few players sometimes through necessity or some just Ange want to mix things up a bit, that there were some starts um, for boys that haven't featured too much. Think of Bernabe, um, who is, I thought, you know, as I said, I didn't see the game, but the highlights I've watched, some of his deliveries looked absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Haxabanovich, I mean, that, that um, touch he takes from the, the long ball from Carter Vickers is absolutely exquisite. And um, the balls he was flinging in from that left-hand side just caused Hibs all sorts of uh, issues. And, of course, uh, Aaron Moy just did Aaron Moy things. He did. He, he made the simple stuff look easy. And I would, as I say, I've only seen extended highlights, but it looks as if he perhaps had his um, finest game in a Celtic jersey so far. I would agree with that, mate. I, I, I think I'm glad you touched on the, the amount of changes again because I think there was a bit of uh, debate about the St. Mirren game, uh, our, our one loss this season in the league, and it's about how we've had oh, it was far too many changes. And I, I totally disagreed with that. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's been four games now that we've made massive changes from the game before. I think the cup game against Ross County, which we absolutely, I think it finished 4 1, we dominated. There's a St. Man uh, result. St. Johnston, again, obviously 
the last minute winner. Um, not the best performance, but again, then we've, we've all guns uh, firing and we've won six one again at the weekend. So I think the rotation is a good thing, and I, we've got we've always been scheming about how the depth of squads good so much better this season, and uh, we've got two players for each position, and, and I think it's shown now, and especially this month, we've got so many games. I think we've got like nine, ten games in the one month in October. Mm. He needs to rotate. It's like mm. you can see that it's starting now. We're talking. There's Jota gone. <laughs> We're talking about Haksabanovic is having a niggle and has to go off at half time. It's because of the amount of games that are building up, and we need to we need to use our depth. And I, I think the guys have came in have been excellent. I've been really impressed with Burnaby. Uh, I'm a massive Taylor fan. I still think he's your number one left back. But Burnaby going forward looks fantastic. He's got a wand, a left foot, um, and he's got pace to burn. Looks a real, real player. Uh, and I thought, Moy, I'm. <laughs> When Moy first came in, I wasn't too convinced. But ever since he's came in, I think he's been excellent. When he's, I think he's doing what he's meant to do. Comes on for twenty minutes of a game, and when his job is in number six, is to keep the ball, play the nice passes, uh, and that's exactly what he's done for me. Uh, he, he played in number ten, I think, for me on, on Saturday. I was surprised when I seen the lineup. I thought he'll go into the six and right O'Reilly will go back into number ten. And I've got to say, this is the first time I've been on since last Monday. And I was it was after the St. Johnston game. And I said, Matt O'Reilly's never a number six in a million years. If you play him in the year, we'll get crucified. And I have to eat my words because <laughs> against Leipzig, I thought he was probably the best player in the park for us. I thought he was unbelievable in that role. Um, so it might be that he's going to continue that role going forward, which is interesting. But Moy was excellent. His two assists were superb. The second one, especially with his bad foot the left foot where he clips it over the top, picks the boy out, just unbelievable passing. And he probably should have had a goal as well if it wasn't for uh, Kyogo, who's got an Aki getting in the way shots sometimes, by the way. Noticed that mm-hmm. a bit. But um, aye, we've got a, we've got such a good squad. Domestically especially, we should be making the most of, of using these, I don't want to say fringe players, because I think everybody's got their part to play this season, especially with the run of fixtures we've got. Um, and I think uh, it's shown on... Saturday, it's massive rotations and we've absolutely dominated the game. Scored six and probably should have scored more. But uh, exactly, and that's that's the thing, um, Phil. We can I just kind of ask your thoughts on the boys who perhaps don't feature as much. What what you thought of their performances um, when they when they either started or came on in the during the game on Saturday evening, Paul? Um, but also as well in regards to to Moy, obviously. We know at least possibly until the World Cup that our captain, uh, Callum McGregor, is going to be out. Is it going to be sort of players like Aaron Moy that we're going to have to sort of rely on just for, for that experience? You know, he's, he's played in the Premier League. He's you know he's done it with the, you know, the Socceroos at, at, at the World at International stage as well. I think his, perhaps his experience in the middle of part is going to be invaluable for young guys like Matt O'Reilly. Um, just so they know that they, they've got someone that they can they can trust on in the middle of the park in, uh, in these massive run of games that we've got coming up. I think um, it's easily Moy's best performance so far, and I think that was down to the fact he didn't you know go into that number six role because against St Mirren it was very slow. We were used to McGregor being at the base of the midfield, takes the ball off the centre backs and starts the attacks really quickly. But Moy that day was very much 
slowing it down and it was kind of indicative how we play. So that game there at the weekend, he was pushed a bit further forward. The Riley was in there and it all just seemed to click. So you know that Moy's got ability in him. I mean, in there, I know there's been very much bad criticism from some circles. Obviously, myself, Russell, and those other ones on the bus, we've always been a bit like uh, bit underwhelmed by that one. But you know, he's clearly shown that he's got some value. He's coming on for the bench. You know, he's been doing that near beat on role the last few years, coming on and seeing a game out. And he's doing that absolutely confidently. But it was really encouraging to see that performance at the weekend and see the two assists speak for themselves. As for Bernard Bay, I think there's a moment at the end of the game, the very end, it seems to be talked about quite a lot at the moment. It was kind of uh, a microchasm of his performance where he got past his hips defending, no problem, breeze past him, a wee shoulder barge, but nothing much in it. He's in a great position to square it across the goal. And uh, a free kick was given inexplicably. A very delayed reaction by the referee as well, Steve McLean. Now, I know a lot of people have came out and said, you know, it's an outrageous decision. There's people sticking up for it going, well, I mean, he's a one in six one. So what really, what difference make? It's the principle of it all. Mm-hmm. It was clearly the wrong decision. But I burned the bye was up and down that wing all day. But that summed it up at the very end where he breathes past no problem. He's about to put the ball in and say, Kyogo, I think Kyogo doesn't finish it because he hears the whistle anyway. But it was an outrageous decision right at the end of the game. Um, it would have been nice for Bernard Bay to get that. We assist on his um, on his uh, copy book for the day because uh, he was he was putting good balls all day. But uh, that one infuriated many people. Well, it wasn't the only decision that Stephen McLean gave at the weekend, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it infuriated many of us in the stands because uh, after what happened through the week, you know, seven was definitely the number that was in many people's head. It'd be nice to see another seven goals scored in Glasgow, you know. I've been talking, I've just been talking about how I feel like as Champions League, especially the last half hour of games, we are looking dead in our feet. This boy's mm-hmm. not at all since he's came in. He's obviously set up the, the, the winner against St. Johnston. A great run and an unbelievable ball. Gigi couldn't have missed. And uh, if Phil's right, he's doing it the same again at the end of this game and he's still going mm-hmm. forward. We scored six goals. He's still going forward trying to get us more, which is what the gaffers want to do. I think he looks like a real, real player. I'm really, really pleased we've got him in and I'm pleased he's finally getting some a wee bit of game time. Yeah, And I think it's good for Taylor as well because um, it has to be said, Taylor, the last few games has looked absolutely <laughs> done in. Uh, 20 minutes to go, you could just tell he's absolutely done in. So I think um, I think it's been good for him as well to get a wee rest and, and uh, this boy's a player, this Burnaby. Mm. I, I agree, as I say, from what I've seen in the game, some of the deliveries that he's been putting in were, were absolutely tremendous. And obviously, that... Um, you know, incredible decision uh, that was given against him right at the end was was absolutely ridiculous. And uh, like you say, Phil, it wasn't the only ridiculous decision uh, of the weekend. Obviously, we had a disallowed goal that would have made it 4 0 um, before half time for Rio Hatati on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Did we cut the, the linesman some slack though? Because he was only about five yards on site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting though, at the end of this week, I believe it is, when VAR is officially part of Scottish football. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Mark Haney suggested that weekend there was the last weekend that officials had the uh, chance to uh, <laughs> eat, essentially, but who knows what's going to happen with the VAR coming in. So looking at how it's been implemented in England for the last four or five years, I'm looking forward to players getting flagged offside for their sleeve being marginally offside and stuff like that, because that's the type of stuff we're going to be up against. Um, but the decisions of the weekend didn't surprise me at all. You know, is it a bias thing? Is it that, or is it just the standard is terrible? I think the standard's just absolutely honking of referees in Scotland. We don't have professional referees in England; they do. And even at that, all of English referees aren't even perfect. But uh, 
yeah, there's, there's a lot of flaws in the system up here when it comes to refereeing. And the fact that one of the heads of the SFA is coming out last week and saying that VAR's going to be carnage when we introduce it. And it's like, mm. that's really not the message you need to be put out there. You know, if you think that, then keep it indoors. Don't go out in the public and go, yeah, this is going to be a bit of a mess when we bring it in. Aye, great. Thanks for filling me with confidence, mate, you know. Jesus, man. So, I should be a... We'll see if it can erase some of these daft decisions, but yeah, some of the ones at the weekend wasn't shocked at all, man. Wasn't shocked. I'm, I'm going to get to stick with the I hadn't planned on really talking much about VAR, but I'm just going to bring this up just whilst we're on the subject, um, Molly, because I think we agree it, it was a, a bit of a shocker uh, for the linesman on Saturday. But in speaking with VAR itself, I'm got you're bang on regarding the head of the SFA's comments about how, how much carnage it's going to be. Now, I accept we're, none of us are, um, you know, SFA officials or, or, you know, grade one officials or whatever you want to call them. But we all know it's, this isn't, we're not splitting the atom here. It's VAR. You're, you're, all you're meant to be doing is, the way I see it, having another look at something to see if there's been a clear and obvious error, picking up on any, you know, perhaps violent conduct and seeing if there was a, I mean, that, I don't understand where this carnage is, is going to come from because it's like, you know, you know, we, we don't need to be geologists to know when it's pissing down outside. Do you know what I mean? Just just look at the footage and see whether it's a foul or not. And I, I get frustrated with it down south as well. Mm. I, I, I don't understand how... I, it's infuriating how much they try and complicate what should be quite a simple process, Willie. Yeah, 100%, mate. And everybody's screaming about VAR and VAR's the problem. It's not VAR that's a problem. It's the it's still the referee's decision yep. once they look back at it. Um I know me and Ross had a bit of <laughs> last night about it, about a certain decision that went in the game. So, so, sorry, I'll, I'll let you go back on, Molly. Just to let you on that, so I only seen that incident today. I'm like you, I can understand why that was given, but yeah. for me, and I say it as a United fan, the goal <laughs> should have stood for City for me. I'd, 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 well, I we think there's a hundred fouls like that at the full, full game. Uh, and yeah. and I, get, I think that we and you are in the minority. Even you know, so. listening to some of the podcasts today, they can say, "Oh, yep, I can understand. Yep, definitely a foul." But for me, fouls like that are ten a penny, and I think you got to let the game flow. For me, um, I, 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 it wasn't. A, I, I would have let the goal stand if I'm being perfectly honest. Well, this was the debate between me and Ross last night, and because Ross is, uh, he's absolutely 100 percent certain that's a, it's a foul, and that's fair enough. I can see why. That's his opinion, and I, 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 but I'm like you. I just thought that if that's a fill, there's a hundred of them, 100 penalties every weekend because that's what that, that's the sort of shirt pulling that goes on in a box. But I can, and I thought his momentum was gone. But this is what I was, this is why I thought it was we were having a laugh last night because I was like, this is what we're talking about VAR, but it's no VAR, it's still subjective, it's still somebody's opinion when we're looking at it. So if Ross is, is refereeing that game and he looks at the VAR on, on Sunday, he's given a foul. Mm. I'm not, yeah, it's not the VAR well, that's doing that. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're, you're bang is, on me. All it, is, all it should be is just a look again, make the decision, and that's it. It's, that, don't understand this whole, it's going to be a catastrophe or whatever that's going on. It's there to help the well, rest. That, yeah, that, that's what it's meant to be there for. And that, that's what I think, Phil, and that, that, I don't, don't know about what, what your own thoughts on VAR are, but what, what frustrates me with it, and it, we can maybe even use the incident yesterday as an example at Anfield. Even when a, a match is, or a, or a a piece of play slowed down and slowed down and it's freeze-framed, yeah. even the slightest little bit of contact can be made to look like a bit of a, a, a proper bludger, um, so to speak. 
Whereas I, if it was me, if I was in charge of, of the whole thing, I would basically have it only in place for, I think, goal line technology. I think we're all kind of mm. agreed on that. If the ball's over the line or not, I think that's pretty fair. Only intervene if it's absolute violent conduct, you know, an absolute mm-hmm. elbow uh, or into the face or something that the referee's missed, a very deliberate, intentional one where um, the referee's back's maybe turned. I think it could intervene mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And, or, I'm talking the absolute, clear, and we're talking clear and obvious errors. And, and I don't think yesterday's goal at Anfield would have qualified um, for one of them because I think if we're going to stop start every little piece of play, and it just it takes away the, the, the enjoyment of the match for me. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, a, a ball goes in the net and then you're, you're taking it back three phases of play to see if somebody nudged somebody up at the other side of the park. I, I, I don't get where it's coming from. And as I say, it, it, before VAR, Phil Foden would have opened the scoring yesterday. And I don't think, I don't even really think, I think it was more Alisson was more complaining about the, the decision that he had two hands on the ball when Haaland took it off him. There wasn't a huge outcry about um, the, the, the pull on Thiago until VAR looked at it. And for me, it just it interferes too much. And the referees on the pitch don't seem to have enough courage to say, no, I'm sticking with my original decision. Aye. The one that, well, the thing that VAR does down south, especially, that really infuriates me, and I think there needs to be a wee bit more leeway in this one, is the very tedious offsides. I remember mm. the very first oh, season yeah. that um that they brought VAR in, and it was a real mess in England. The very first, it was almost like the English FA were going out of their way to make it look bad. But I remember there was a game; it was a, a Merseyside derby, and Liverpool scored a goal, but it came from a free kick out wide. And when the ball got flighted in, Sadio Mane, his instinct was to move towards the goal, but his arm moved out the way as he went to run. His arm is a little bit extended, but you can't score with your arm. But that was what was deemed offside. And it was like, it's not a body part you score. If I can maybe understand the leg, you know, and it's a part you can score if and it gives you, obviously, an advantage and you could gain a yard. But it was like his arm was out extended and it was like, I can't believe that. And uh, when they, they, they freeze frame it, like you're saying, and they draw the line across the park, and then it gets moved a wee bit more and a wee bit more. And it's like, I can't bother this. And when you're talking about it ruining the game, there's a really infamous one. I remember when Man City and Tottenham played in the Champions League, and Tottenham beat them. It's here Tottenham got to the final. And yeah. Sergio Aguero scored a last minute what seemed like was going to be a winner for City. And it got um, pulled back because in the build-up to it, it was like a ball deflected off of a City player very, very marginally on the way through and City ended up scoring like 10 seconds later. And it was, took seven or eight minutes for them to decide that. Mm-hmm. All the City fans, euphoria, they're on the way to the Champions League semi-final. And yeah. then it was like, no, nah, seven, eight minutes later after reviewing it and reviewing it and reviewing it. And it's like, actually, it's no a goal, guys. And it's like, is that the type of stuff we're going to see? Is that the type of things that are going to happen? It's like, I don't. I don't even want to even imagine like if Celtic score like a last minute winner on a cup final and then oh. that happens or something. Oh, it's like, oh my god. Here's Just a point as well, by the way. Uh Patrick McLaughlin. <laughs> I think it makes a great point. See the biggest thing for me, see when you're in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh well we watch it on the TV I've never been in a stadium when VAR's been implemented, but when something like that happens, the whole crowd's like, What's going on? We don't even know what mm-hmm. and I know in the English Premier like they've got the big screens there so they can make mm-hmm. you aware. No, all stadiums up here yep. have got big screens in them. So how are the fans meant to know what the hell is going on when these are, when they're trying to make these decisions? I think that's a great point for Patrick McLaughlin. You're, there, you're so. playing on, Wally, and so is Patrick. It's like the, the, the people in the stands, 
paying the money to keep the show on the road are like almost they're the last people to know whether or not a goal's going to be given or not. It's it's incredible. And uh, I know Scott was saying as well, is it going to be getting wired live for the Loudon Tavern? Well, I think that's where most of the refs drink after a game uh, these days, isn't it? So, you know, we shall wait with bated breath to see what it, what, it will, um, what it will give. As I say, I'm not too encouraged by it. I'm not looking forward to it at all. And I don't think it's going to eradicate so many of the issues that are already that we're plagued with in Scotland when it comes to um, poor refereeing. But uh, we'll save it for another day. Um well, I just want to touch on a lot of the guys in the comments have been, have been discussing. Um, obviously, and perhaps it was quite fitting that another um, player joined the 100 club on Saturday because there was also an appearance at half time of one of the one of the members of it as well, um, Mister the legend himself, Mister Frank McGarvey, a man who scored 113 goals and 245 starts for Celtic. Of course, most fans of that generation will remember him scoring the winner in the the 1985 Cup final um, against Dundee United, a fantastic um, header into the corner. I think that might even well have been one of his, I think that might have been his last goal. Um, That was goal 113. And then he he, he went away, he he got sold the following week or he was getting told he was getting sold the following week. It was incredible. But, you know, it was very, very emotional. I've seen some of the footage of it. Um, He's obviously been given a a horrible um, diagnosis that he has cancer. Um, but he was given a tremendous reception for the Celtic support when him and his daughter came out on the pitch. Um, we just, obviously, all our thoughts and prayers are with him, aren't they? Oh, without a doubt, man. It was, it was emotional in the stadium. See, I myself have been affected by I mean, I lost my mother in 2015. It was cancer as well, and it's a horrible, horrible thing you wouldn't wish upon anybody. Um, but I thank McGarvey. See, a bit before my time, I was born in 85, so 85 was the year of that cup final when he scored there, but that was the year I was born. But a few, one of my mates I went to school with, uh, his uncle is Frank McGarvey, um, I mean Chris Burns, who his brother, Kieran Burns, is a Scotland international power chair player. You might see him on Twitter quite prominent. He's got his own podcast stuff, but their uncle is Frank McGarvey. So I remember Chris always telling us that at school. But one of the stories I remember, I saw it in the official history DVD, and somebody in the comments will probably come in and tell us the exact year. But there was one of the years in the 80s that the title went down to the wire and Billy McNeil was making it very, very much. I don't want to tell the players what the score is at halftime. It was Aberdeen. They were fighting for the title and the boys came in at halftime. I think they were playing St Mirren and Celtic were like 3-0 up and uh, nobody knew the score at Aberdeen and Billy McNeil was like, I don't want to tell them. Don't want to tell them anything. And then Frank McGarvey came on and went, Aberdeen's getting beat 2-0. <laughs> 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 so, it's, it's in the official history. I, can't, I think maybe it will be 81 or 82. It'll be one of those seasons. Um, but I, I always got a chuckle out of that one. I used to try to keep it off and he just got running in and going, ah, oh, they're getting beat. <laughs> we're going to win the title. It, it's one of the ones that that DVD is absolutely fantastic. I think it's on for about seven hours. The, the four disc one, it's absolutely brilliant. And there's a bit of brilliant button that well, it's just coming up at the end of that footage, and it's just kind of going back through everyone who's contributed in the full thing. And when it cuts to Frank McGarvey, says, All I ever wanted in my life was to be a guy that scored a winning goal for Celtic with a couple of minutes to go. He went, That's all I ever dreamt for as a football fan. He went, It was my last act to do it. In the in the cup final in '85, but of course they gave us some, some you know 112 goals uh, before that as well. As I say, obviously, but a little before our time. But um, you know, his his name is fully etched at Celtic Park, absolutely. Surely is, mate. I think you've seen that with the um, uh, the reception he got and and the outpouring of affection he's had since uh, it has been announced. Uh, it was very emotional. I've seen his. Uh, 
his wee interview, I think it was Celtic TV did an interview with him as well, to bring a tear to a glass eye. Uh, I, I was actually listening to the, the phone on the way home for work on Saturday as well, and they said um, it was Hugh Evans, who I'm not a massive fan of, but mm-hmm. he says his his kind of first, he's got a lot of time for Frank because his kind of first way into the media and, and, and the journalism side of things was um, and his first big story was Frank McGaffey phoning him to say, um, I know I've just scored in that cup final, but they've just put me up for sale. And Hugh, <laughs> Evans, Hugh Evans broke the story and they were kind of talking about it. Can you imagine now if it was Jota phoning up the Clyde phone in and saying, by the way, they've just put me up for sale. Different days. Um, absolute legend. Uh, sad to see, but I'm really, I'm really pleased he got to experience what he did on Saturday and, and feel the love for the fans because... Um, it's a club like no other, and I think they showed it again. Um, so, I thoughts and prayers with him and his family. I really, I hope, I hope he makes a speedy recovery. Um, legend. What more can right. you say? Uh, absolutely. Just one last few thing on him, just to say your your, your sort of some of the stories of Frank McGarry. I'll, I'll bring one right up to date. It was last season, um, and it was when we were playing St Mum just before um, Christmas. It was when we dropped the two points actually, yes. and yes. Um, he was. I, 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 Paid for St Mirren TV that night on the pay-per-view and it was, um, I can't remember the, the the girl's name who was presenting, but Frank McGarvey, obviously ex-St Mirren and Celtic, was sort of, he was doing the sort of kind of analysis and stuff at half-time and as you know, Walt, with all these the, the sort of smaller clubs that, that, you know, they don't have the great production uh, value, we weren't exactly watching Sky Sports Super Sunday, but he'd, he'd done his best and he was trying to give his, his expert analysis on it. And just before the, 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 the action started in the second half, um, the, the female presenter went to to, to Frank. So, so, so do you do you think St Mirren? This is on St Mirren TV, by the way. Was, do you think you know if St Mirren do the same again? They could, you know, they could they could do a number on Celtic here. And he just went, well, I hope not, because I'm wanting Celtic to win. So, <laughs> uh, absolutely, bro. You, you just you can't buy part like that. And um, he said to us on on Saturday that he loves us all. Well, the, the feeling couldn't be more mutual, Frank. I'm sure. Speak on behalf of all the boys at Endless Celts and the boys they bust that we're all thinking of you and, and the family and, and fingers crossed um, you, you you managed to, to to pull through this and um, as I say you'll you'll never walk alone um, with the, the Celtic families right behind you and um, just sort of a couple more things to get through boys obviously it's back to League Cup action Wednesday night mm. um, an early kickoff for reasons still unknown to me but um, we kick off quarter past six Wednesday night. Obviously, Motherwell, you know, they, they ran Rangers close yesterday in the league, um, but narrowly lost 2-1. So, you know, you're kind of hoping that they're, they're, they'll be kind of blown out their arse early doors. And uh, you're hoping, what, what would your sort of hopes for the, the game be, obviously, apart from a win, uh, Phil? But do you, can you see it being a similar lineup to Saturday, or do you think it being a League Cup match that they might uh, ring the changes? I think Seagrass will get a game again. I think there's you know, a good chance he's going to be the cup goalkeeper for the time being. He's only played one game against Ross County in the cup. So I've got a funny feeling it'd be a bit odd if he misses out on this one because when else is he going to get a game right now? Mm-hmm. Joe Hart's had a few big mistakes recently and it doesn't look like Joe Hart's going to get changed, which is the right thing to do because you don't want to stifle the keeper's confidence. But uh, I think with the cup, I think Segrist will come in. In terms of, you know, rotation, when it comes to we don't really look to bring in any of the B-team players. You know, when we're rotating the team, the guys we're bringing in are just on the fringes of the first team, like we saw at the weekend, Forrest, Ralston and stuff like that. So it's not a massive dip in quality. Um, I would expect a pretty similar lineup. I mean, Forrest has got to keep his place. He's got to. I mean, there's no doubt about it. 
Um, Jackie Marcus could get another. I mean, if he didn't injure himself or anything, so he took a wee bit of a knock, it seems. If he's fit to go again, I would play him at, away at Murrow in the Cup because uh, Murrow is one of those sort of hammer thrower type teams. So, might do as a world of good to have uh, Jackie Marcus up there to fight that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite confident we can go there and you know, march on because I get a funny feeling for both Celtic and Rangers with the way the European campaigns go. And I think both of them are going to not have European football after Christmas. So, Things are going to the domestic treble is suddenly going to be something that's going to appeal to both of them again. So it's going to be about mm. all guns blazing for the trophies now. Mm. Uh, the League Cup's always the one that people look at and go, it's the League Cup, you know, I won't lose sleep if we lose it. No, but I say if our focus now changes, we don't get European football second half of the season. I hope that's not the case. I hope we can mm. somehow find a miracle to sneak through. But I've got a funny feeling that both teams may be like, right, well, the treble's now on the table, let's go for it. So hopefully we pick them to that as well. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Oh, it would be lovely, wouldn't it? It would oh, be I... absolutely lovely. As I say, we're obviously both we're tied at seven trebles each, so be lovely <laughs> to set a new world record ourselves and uh, and go for the eight. Um, I, I must admit, I'm I'm with um, Phil on, on this one, Wally. I I don't really see there being too many changes from Saturday, with the exception perhaps of I think um, Benji Seagrist will probably be the the cup goalkeeper um, going forward. He obviously started against Ross County. But if if Haksabanovic and and Yakimakis are okay, I don't see any reason why you, you would you know. I think this kind of game is perfect for them getting more minutes under their belt. On the back of a hat trick, um, I would be surprised to see Forrest out the team. Um, could you see any anything else changing, or do you think it might be a, a pretty settled side for tomorrow night or Wednesday night? Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys. Uh, I don't think there were many changes, especially after that performance on Saturday. We've got. Three big games coming up, and Phil was we were talking about it before we came on that we've got um, Hearts away and and uh, Livy away with, with Shakhtar in between. So three massive games coming up. Uh, so this could be a chance for these guys to kind of get a wee run out and show what they're made of again. Uh, I don't see many changes. I wouldn't mind seeing Seagrass get in. Uh, I'm a massive Heart fan. I know he's been getting a bit of stick, but um, I think uh, Phil's right. I think Seagrass might be the the, the cup goalkeeper this year. Uh, and he's an able replacement. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to see a bit more of Bernabe and, and the likes. Like I said, I think Taylor has been he's looking like he's dead on his feet the last few games. So these guys, I think, are, are probably due a wee run on the side. Uh, for me, he's been doing this kind of like when Jota, Jota got injured, he said that he was uh, feeling fatigue and he was only going to play the first half and same with Haksabanovic, he's carrying a niggle injury, so and, and he was only going to play the first half of the weekend. So, but I, for me, I think a depth that could be if, if they have got things like this, they shouldn't be put them on the bench um, and play these other guys playing that my aid is in Forest because they're more capable of going and, and getting the victory, getting the victory uh, as they've shown on Saturday. So, I agreed, don't think there'll be many changes. Um, Hopefully we play the same way and we're, we're just as clinical and we can get a comfortable win. Hmm. Well, here's what, what would your score prediction be, mate? What would you say? Uh, I'll go for a 4 now. I don't think they Celtic. We'll I watched them on Sunday. Okay. watched them on Sunday and they didn't look great going forward, to be fair. Uh, they looked decent. Um, they defended pretty well, uh, although they were against a poor side, so you couldn't see much of that. Uh I, I think if we play like we we have been and we're clinical enough, we'll, we'll tear them apart. 
Here's hoping. What about yourself, Phil? What was your sort of scoreline predictions? Um, well, I was talking to Mark and Regis. I said 2 0, so I'll just stick to that, you know. But it's a cup game. Hey, if it's a scrappy last minute goal, 1 0, and it gets us through to the next round, then hey, I'll take it as long as it gets us through. That's all that matters, man. So I'll go 2 0, though. That's, that's what I was going to go for. My usual hassle free 2 0, and then hopefully, uh, right, good evening from Fort Aventura, my name. I hope you're getting on okay. And uh, yeah, I'll go for a hassle free 2 0 as well and get us through to the the sort of Hamden phase of the tournament, as it were. Mm-hmm. And um, just one final point tonight, boys, and uh, I know that's uh, at the hour. I know, obviously, Phil, you'll be leaving us soon to join us on the Boise bus, but I think the intro normally takes about 15 minutes anyway. <laughs> we've, got, we've got plenty on of time. The, the Monday um, my new role in the Monday Club is to do the uh, last the, the quiz at the end, the Sutton Death, it's called. So about 10, 15 minutes to go, I come in and make the Boise Brothers life a misery with a trivia question. <laughs> so that's my role. So it's good, I've got some time. <laughs> nice, nice one. And um, we're, we're just going to finish just one wee subject tonight. And it's, uh, again, um, the agree to disagree um section of the, the show and as I say it's in absolutely no way um connected to the lad bible um subject <laughs> of the same persuasion it's completely original um as I say you've got four options you either strongly agree agree disagree or strongly disagree um it's up to you and then just argue whether or not what, what your your sort of point of view on it. So I've just sort of came up one subject only tonight. But with a hundred goals 99 assists and only being, I think, five or six trophies away from being the most decorated player in Celtic's history in terms of a player on the park, William. Is the debate now closed about whether or not James Forrest can be classed as a bona fide Celtic legend? Uh, yeah, Yes, I strongly agree with that. I think he is most definitely a legend. Uh, that's crazy to think that he's only five trophies away from being their most decorated player. That's a crazy, crazy, crazy start because I don't think many would put him up there. Um, but he's, I mean, it's, it's all there to be seen. His stats are there. He's, he's, he's trophy halls there. Um, he's quite an enigma for us because I think he does split the the, the, the fan base. Uh, but for me, everything he's given for the club, I think anybody that gets anywhere near 100 goals for the club is just, it's, I think it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy even as a, just a dream for us all. Um, the fact that he's came up through the youth, um, he's one of our own. We always love that. We've always, always have done, always, always well. He's, he's, he's a fan on the, one of us on the park. Um, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's without doubt now. I think it was before this season um, yeah. to stay at a club for that long, especially in this era where it just doesn't happen anymore. Players move and, and go, and, and they're at several clubs in their career. For somebody to stay and commit for as long, and then, Celtic have done as much for James Forrest as James Forrest has done for Celtic. To be fair, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I just think it's a marriage made in heaven, and he's he deserves every plaudit that comes his way. He's been a fantastic servant for Celtic, and he still will continue to be. And I think he'll, I think he will definitely get to that uh, that trophy hall and. and and be our most decorated player, which is a mental, mental start. <laughs> Aye, that is crazy. <laughs> what would you say, Phil? James Forrest, Celtic legend for you? Aye, I would. The options were there was agree and strongly agree, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. So I would go for mm-hmm. my agree. 
Um, because it's a weird one because for a lot of the time he's been there, he's not always been a first team regular, but he's still got the numbers to prove it, the trophies mm-hmm. to prove it. And basing it on me personally, well, being a season tag older, I've been a season mm-hmm. tag seven. The best period I've enjoyed was Brendan's era, just because mm-hmm. we were winning everything. And there was a period there where he literally made the League Cup final, just his own personal playground, where he scored in like what three finals in the bounce 2015, mm-hmm. he scored in 20. Uh, the 2017 final we were in and then the 2018 mm-hmm. final, whatever, it was Murrow, Aberdeen and Dundee United, like those three mm-hmm. games. So it was like, I came up with big goals at big moments and, you know, you always remember the trophy wins, the trophy lifts, mm-hmm. so it's like, I, he's, he's got the numbers to back it up and, yeah, and I think the fact that he's came through the youth ranks, born and bred Celtic fans going to add to it, a phenomenal, phenomenal player and, uh, yeah, legendary status. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I do now as well. Of course, a club like Celtic, We've got so many, you know, as Kaiser says, icons, legends, you know, whatever superlative you want to, to, want to attach to so many players uh, through our, our history. But um, I think I think he's earned it now. I, th- I think, um, and especially I think as well that, because, like you say, well, because he's came through the ranks, he's he's one of our own sort of thing. As Sean's saying here, a one-club man, they say there was just that, it did look like before Brendan came that he was perhaps on the road out. Perhaps he's mm-hmm. the goal in the 20, these goals in the 2016 League Cup final were going to be his a sort of farewell to the club, but he picked up a complete second wind under Brendan. And that's one of the things that Rogers absolutely has to take credit for, um, amongst so many other things that he achieved when he was at Celtic. Not only not only making players better, but of course, uh, making the silverware, uh, making a bit of a monopoly out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the available uh, silverware as well. And um, yeah, and like you say, he's more way. than featured in a lot of those those games. That's an interesting it, one. It's, it, you're bang on, Donnie. That's that's one of the things, that, and that's what makes these debates so so great. I mean, how do you, you know, I, th- I don't think there'd be anyone that would say that Paul McStay isn't um, a Celtic legend, and, and he gets it as well because of the fact, I think, that he, again, he also had many opportunities to go to clubs where he, he could have been you know, you know, there was like Juventus and teams down south that came in for him. There's, there's no reason to suggest that Juventus couldn't have. You could have went over there and been a, a tremendous asset, and you know, he could have been a Champions League icon as well. But you know, we'll stick to him being our maestro. Um, but yeah, it doesn't always just come down to what trophies you've won. I agree. Um, anyone that says uh, the maestro isn't a Celtic legend needs their, their head examined. But we'll, I think um, everyone here, I say, we'll, we'll, we'll give we'll give them that status. And um, it's very well deserved. Um, but in terms of the show tonight, guys, that's us pretty much at the end. Um, oh, as I say, well, thanks to you two for being able to uh, get another show out of this, considering yeah, the host for the night um, hadn't, hasn't seen the full game yet. But we managed to, I think, go over all the, the main bits. It's always nice to talk about a 6-1 victory. Uh, here's hoping there's plenty more of them uh, throughout the course of the season. Uh, Bill, have you enjoyed being back on? Always enjoy it, mate. I'm, I'm always happy to come on to this show and uh, talk, say, talk Celtic. So thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I'm always happy to oblige. No, no problem at all. Welcome back anytime, uh, my friend. And what about you, Wally? You've had a hectic day at work, but it's always good to come on and talk about the Celtic, isn't it? Aye, this has made uh, the day all right. Um, cheered me <laughs> off again talking back about the, the weekend result and looking forward to Wednesday night now. Hopefully get another thumping. <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed, fingers crossed and just thanks again everybody for watching along and um, bringing up all, all your comments are welcome as I say, we, we, we do have an issue I, th- I know John's on the case to YouTube at the minute, we don't know what the, the issue is with, with, with the subscriptions 
um, at the moment, but hopefully that will be back up and running sooner mm -hmm. rather than later. I don't know if it's just a glitch on, on YouTube's side. And um, thanks to everyone who's taking part in the Super 6 uh, league as well. As I say, I don't have the league table in front of me. Um, I did see in the group chat, though, that I think Franco's back at the top, so it's probably best we don't run through it while I yeah. But uh, yeah, well, well done, Franco. That. I forgot to put my entries in this week, as I often do, so uh, <laughs> nil point for me this weekend. Um, but I'll need to put someone for during the week or, or next week. And um, so if, if you want to do that, just go on to Super 6. Um, as you can see, the, the codes there, um, get involved. It's a good be laughing. Whoever wins it at the end of the season, we'll, we'll get a wee prize uh, out to you. And uh, as I say, thanks again. And if you like what you're seeing, just, uh, you know, we're like, a, we're like a restaurant. We're only going to find, uh, grow through word of mouth. So if you're liking what you're seeing and hearing, tell your Celtic supporting pals and uh, get them to tune in. As I say, Mondays and Fridays, 8 o'clock. And uh, as I say, but that's enough from us for tonight. Um, and get off, he's got over at the Boise bus, who it should just be, he should just be getting past the intro just now, I think, Phil. Um, they'll be, <laughs> the boys will be getting wired into all, all the chat about Saturday's uh, magnificent performance against Hibs again. So get straight over to that and uh, join in the quiz with Phil um, at probably <laughs> quarter to nine. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, in terms of us, we shall see you again on Friday at the usual time. We'll be reviewing. Uh, what will hopefully be a successful match against Motherwell and looking ahead to our trip to the Diet Cokes of Scottish football mm -hmm. on at the weekend. <laughs> and uh, thanks again, folks, for joining in. And hail, hail. Cheers. Right, see you. Cheers.